This is the Final Third Podcast, a soccer podcast that talks about everything that happens outside of the 90 minutes. From roster construction and transfers to soccer culture, politics, and business. On today's episode, Manchester City, the European Super League, and the She Believes Cup. Enjoy the show. Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the final third podcast. It's Monday, so it's time for another episode where we talk about all the fun things going on in the soccer world and also non-fun things. Uh, My name is AJ Tabura. I'm a fan of West Ham United, which we'll talk about. Uh, Minnesota United, which I guess we can briefly talk about. And the U.S. national teams, which if we have time, we will also talk about. A lot of of talking about the teams that, that I like. And speaking of uh, teams that people like, I'm joined by, you know, someone who might be disappointed uh, d- during uh, this week's uh, results for one of his favorite teams, uh, whose requirements for a number 10 for his team involves not pistol whipping a 16 year old and also someone who wants both teams to lose in the upcoming Super Bowl. It's Jack. Jack, how are you doing? Uh, doing good. And yeah, one team, we'll talk about it a little bit because I'm still a little upset about it because I woke up early to see Chelsea play uh, yeah, after too. getting five hours of sleep from oh, working on me, something the night, the night <laughs> before. I'm also a fan of Atalanta, which is great because they did win over Lazio, which okay. is always good because I love seeing Lazio fail. And exactly. I'm also a fan of... Minnesota United and the U.S. national teams. And yes, uh, Minnesota United, you know, also a requirement of that number 10. Someone who shows up to training, maybe. That would be good. Oh, boy. We'll talk about MLS as the, the season approaches here later on this month, actually. I'm looking forward to it. Uh, you can keep track of what we're doing, especially as the MLS season approaches on Twitter at Final Third Show on FinalThirdShow.com for all the the places where you can listen to us on if you want a one-stop shop uh, to figure out where we're on in the internet uh other just short news real madrid won the club world cup against all the hill all they beat they beat uh was flamengo. It flamengo yeah in the semifinals. that was kind of unexpected but expected that real madrid would win champions of the world good for you guys real madrid very fun very fun uh, also fun is in about mm, an hour and a half, two hours, uh, the Super Bowl is kicking off National Football League, different type of football. Uh, I, I, I think we both casually enjoy the NFL. I, 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 I try to, you know, watch at least the big games, I guess the Thursday nights, the Sunday nights and your Monday nights. Uh, but obviously we prefer the other type of football more. But Jack, Philadelphia Eagles. The Birds versus the Kansas City Chiefs, the Patrick Mahomes. <laughs> who do you who, who do you have winning? I, your Zoom name right now is wants both teams to lose. So, <laughs> well, I do because Philly fans are. Um, no offense to one of one of our good friends, Jordan, who is a fan of Philadelphia and other sports, not in NFL. He's a Ravens fan for that, but uh, not a huge fan of of them. Uh, yeah, and you know, uh. The Kansas City racist name's not as big of a fan of them either. Uh, so, uh, or Patrick Mahomes' brother. So, um, Jackson Mahomes, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I think that, you know, regardless, Philadelphia fans are going to go insane. Uh, uh-huh. And I think that, I think that the, 
think that the Eagles will win by like okay. three points or something. It's going to be really close. Both yeah. of these teams have great offenses, great defenses. Jalen Hurts has been very, very good this season. Patrick Mahomes, as always, has been very good. Yeah, he won MVP. It's crazy. Yeah. Uh, and I I feel like uh, one safe prediction is Travis Kelsey is going to touch at least one, is going to get at least one touchdown, though. Travis Kelsey is very good. Very, yeah. very good. It's only, actually a only consistent tight end in the NFL. It's uh, it's Kelsey versus Kelsey. Both the Kelsey brothers are, are on opposite sides of the 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 Super Bowl. I, I, I'm actually now that I'm thinking about that. I wonder if there's been any like kind of equivalent for, you know, the Champions League final. Has there ever Ooh. been a, 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 a duo of brothers or maybe, you know, a, tr- a triplet uh, potentially probably not a triplet. Definitely. Probably just the duo, but on Pulisic one side and of the Will Pulisic. Team. It's oh, going to happen yeah. soon in the future. That's that. <laughs> I mean, the, the the close I can think of is maybe like the Hazard brothers. It, has there been like has been Thorgan and yeah, and I don't I don't think Dor- Dortmund versus Chelsea. I don't think has happened that often in the Champions League. Okay, uh, and I don't think Dortmund Real Madrid happened when they were when. Eden went to Real Madrid either. I'm sure there's got to be at least one instance of something close happening like yeah, that. Or that, like maybe in an FA Cup final or FA a Cup, Cup final. Probably. But the Champions League is like, you know, Super Bowl equivalent. So, you know, I, I'm wondering, I'm wondering. But for my predictions, you know, honestly, like when I look at like the kind of fan that I am and like the kind of team that I really resonate with, I think I'm an I'm an, uh, an Eastern uh, the Eastern Coast team because the Buffalo Bills, the Philadelphia Eagles, like being crazy. That's kind of like, you know, I, I I do enjoy that with my fandom. Uh, just as long as nobody gets hurt, which is definitely not exactly something you could uh really guarantee when you're talking about the Philadelphia Eagles. But I think the Eagles are also going to win. I'll say, I'll say it's like a a five point game, and then the the Patrick Mahomes have to uh score. Uh, in the last drive, they have to go for the touchdown. They don't get it, and that's how the Eagles win. By the way, with uh, brothers playing in the Champions League final, they haven't. It hasn't happened on two opposite sides, but on the same okay. side three times. Frank and Ronald DeBoer it, with Ajax in '95. Right, right. Frank and Eddie Gray with Leeds in 1975. Oh, wow. And Patrick and Herve Ravelli for Saint Etienne in 1976. Oh, yeah, I remember that. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> that was a good final. A great yeah. final. Okay, that's Real actually classic. interesting. I, I'm glad that people have done research on that, and I, I'm looking forward to the day that that two brothers go head to head in the Champions League final. It's got to be that 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 is the ultimate like jersey swap right there. Let's get Honestly, that straight. Yeah, yeah, for sure. All right. Well, let's get into uh, some of the news here. We're talking about a lot of like a lot of big big news. Starting off with uh, the final third derby, we're also going to talk about, of course, the biggest news in the past week. Manchester City, what does the future of Manchester City look like, as well as the future of European football as a whole, because the Super League is back, I guess, Super League 2, uh, even though, I don't know if you can count the 15 hours that the, the first Super League was really in existence for as a, an actual existence of a league, but whatever, whatever. Jack, let's get started with the final third derby, starting off with the first leg of the final third derby, which was the the... Women's League Cup, Chelsea versus West Ham United. You tweeted about it. I I have thoughts on just the general state of uh the women's super league right now, but this wasn't a super league match, it's a semifinal for the League Cup. Uh Jack, I'll, I'll let you ta- say the score. 
Uh, yeah, it was uh, seven to zero yeah, for a Chelsea. You know, no, yeah, really, bowl. yeah. Okay. Uh, plus the extra point, you know. Yes, uh, yes. Didn't go for the two point conversion there, ah. but uh, Sam Kerr gets a uh, a double brace, if you will, four goals. Uh, Fran Curry, Lauren James, and Girl Wrighton all get on the score sheet as well. Uh, West Ham just kind of got torn apart in that game, and you know. It, it, it's kind of to be expected. I think in that matchup, you would expect Chelsea to beat uh, West Ham's uh, women's team, but still uh, very impressive showing by by uh, by the current champions of the of the women's league. So, all right. All right. All right. Just, you know, I, I, I really enjoyed uh, seeing all of those goals. There, there were a lot of good ones. And uh, in the in the final, that sets up Arsenal versus Chelsea. So the two best teams in the Women's Super League right now. Uh-huh. Uh, actually, that's false. <laughs> the second and fourth best teams in the Women's Super League right now. So uh, only because they're both behind a game. But either way. Yeah. Very, uh, very good final, I'm sure. Yeah. My thoughts uh, on that matchup. Uh, yeah, you're right. It is to be expected. Maybe less expected than other results as seeing as, you know, West Ham was able to keep Arsenal scoreless in a 0-0 draw just prior to that game. Beat Liverpool, uh, who in, in, in both the women's and the men's game, I guess, are pretty mid-table right now. But West Ham are also mid-table. And... More so than, at least from my experience, more so than in the men's game. Like, the divide between the haves and haves-nots is even larger. The gulf is larger between, like, I'd say, like, the top four teams in uh, the league. So, obviously, historically, uh, Arsenal and Manchester United, I feel like, have always had, like, at least a, a good amount of investment in the women's game. Chelsea, and especially Manchester City recently, have been putting a lot of money into it and so there's a there's a very sizable gap if especially if you look at the super league table between uh united chelsea city and arsenal who are the top four in that order right now and the next three which are aston villa everton and west ham uh, west ham and chelsea played uh, a match today the the men's side at least uh it was a one one draw uh First goal was Chelsea's. I guess. Yep. I guess there's a, a a disallowed goal in the in the first minutes, uh, in the first few minutes. Uh, but then Joao Felix and Enzo Fernandez combined uh to score the first goal. Great, and, great goal by the way for Joao Felix. So yeah, for sure, for sure. Enzo Fernandez also gets on the on the score sheet. Uh, I believe for the first time. Yeah, because I guess you're. Yeah, last, it's his second game. Yeah. It's his second game. Yeah, a lot of zero zero draws in in the past too. So you know. Makes sense, makes sense. Uh, but then West Ham score, Jared Bowen uh, passes it to a certain Emerson, which, if I remember correctly, all right, well, yeah, was the what the third choice Chelsea left back at yeah, one point, yeah, yeah, yeah. former yeah. Chelsea player. I still don't think he's that good, regardless of if he scored. I but. mean, I don't either. You <laughs> still scored. Now. I had a good laugh about it. I had a good laugh. I was like, oh, I, that's- I cried uh, uh, a little bit. From uh, that, but yeah, and he, he he had like you know the the kind of uh muted celebration, put his hands on. He's like, you know, I'm not celebrating against. And then my, he proceeded to celebrate team. more after that. Uh, like he did the yeah. he did the baby celebration and everything. Yeah. Like he at first I was like, oh, I can respect that, and then he and then he did a celebration anyway. That's because like, well, he has the West Ham in him. That's that dog. That's the, the that's the West Ham way right there. So I respect it. I respect it. Um. After that, it was a pretty like I don't know, 
fine game, equal game. There's there's some takeaways that we can talk about at the end. Um, it looked like, I believe, uh, on Flipmob, they, they credit to Thomas Suchek. It kind of looked like Declan Rice. I, I don't know whose goal it was, uh, but a, a free kick led to a supposed West Ham goal. That gets called back on VAR because it's a very clear, clear offside. For some reason, it took like four minutes for them to, to clear. Yeah. I, I was blown away. Like, the Yeah, very it first... took... It took longer for them to do that than another then, call, but we'll talk about that. The other call, which we can talk about now, which was uh, Thomas Suchek uh, falling to ground after uh, who who shot the ball there? Uh, I believe that was a Gallagher shot. Gallagher. Gallagher. Shot. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it, it was a Gallagher shot. Uh, Thomas Suchek, like, intends to, like, you know, kind of kind of go to ground and, like, kick it away. Uh, the ball either deflects or or it like it takes, went straight onto his hand it, it, it takes it takes an angle he wasn't expecting and as he as he's falling the ball hits his arm likely not, to not even his arm his hand like his, his hand arm area <laughs> uh it, the ball the ball was likely going towards goal uh yeah it it, it, it went away uh it went through var var quickly was like no penalty or whatever, no era penal, and that's it. The, the the game goes on, and it's a one to one draw between West Ham and a Chelsea, uh, which I like the points. I think that's a very important point, especially after our draw against Newcastle last week. You know, I I, I told Jack uh, a while ago if we can get in the next five games, six uh, six points, and I'll be I'll be happy. Seven points, and I might cry. Eight points, and we're definitely staying up. And you know. Two points in the first two games of that run. Pretty happy. Jack, I'm guessing you're less happy I, because of the results and also what happened in the game. Yeah, um, I'm very upset with that call. I I think it, like, even the commentators were saying, I have no idea how that's not a penalty. And they they said something that sticks with me. They're, they're like, maybe VAR was like, yes, he's going to he's going to ground and has to brace himself. And then they ask, but why is he going to ground in the first place to try and stop to try and block the shot? Mm-hmm. So I, I think that's like the clearest handball that you could give. Mm-hmm. Like it, it is pretty it, it it's literally just him playing goalkeeper. It, yeah. It's it's almost well, it's I, not. I, I, I wouldn't say that. that 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 is unfair to him to call it him call, calling goalkeeper because because you can't say you can't say that that was like he I'm, he's like oh I'm purposely going to play this on my on my my hand even though that is what happened uh, uh, you know it, it was accidental I'm not saying that it's it's not a penalty I thought it was a penalty all, all, all of like the the West Ham subreddit's like man we got away with that all right yeah uh this this feels like I, I don't Chelsea has been done dirty by VAR this this past season. I that's not the I'm to be clear. I'm not saying that's the only reason for any of their problems. I'm not just blaming <laughs> it on that. But this game and the Tottenham game at the beginning of the season where two both of Tottenham's goals should have been ruled out uh, for various uh, fouls like, you know, Christian Romero trying to pull Kukurea's hair out of his out of his scalp you know that one yeah. uh, but it it just feels like a missed opportunity with uh-huh. that and like it it's really it's really annoying that 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 happened uh but I feel like 
there's some there's some parts of this game that both of us are not that happy about because I have a feeling you're looking at what happened on the player side of this game and are not super excited with uh, the fact that Paqueta went out injured in the 14th minute mm-hmm. and Aguerd, who you yeah. called one of the best players uh, for West Ham. Yeah, right well, I, I, I think right now, based on form, he is our best player. Yeah, I think that he has been our best signing since. Ooh, I, I, I Suchek probably a, a long time. So yes, uh, Suchek. I mean, you could you could make the case for like uh, Zuma being impactful as well. Uh, uh, he was impactful in more ways <laughs> off the pitch, maybe. Yes, than yes, on that, him. That, that is that is true. Uh, Craig Dawson. It was also a good signing. Bowen was a good signing. I think these are all like 2019, 2020. He's a he's a good signing now which is nice yeah uh but also goes out injured in the 80th minute yes very sad so that that's not great for west ham i'd say yeah but uh you know what i i there are some things that i was happy with in this game for chelsea i thought you know the new signings all looked pretty good madueke his dribbling is just incredible i think uh Mm -hmm. footmob gave him like one of the lowest scores for chelsea which i think is completely unfair Cause he was just dribbling around, had, had a crazy shot in like the 34th minute that Fabianski really had to stretch for. Uh, Mudrik also looked really solid. I think great pass accuracy, uh, and also was the one who tackled Jared Bowen to get the ball to, uh, score that opening goal, Mm -hmm. which, you know, really, really good work from him. The only player that disappointed me in this game was Kai Havertz. Yeah. Uh, Well, Yeah. I, I was not Story impressed. Of the season. Yeah, I there were there were a few times where he looked all right, but overall, I I would have rather we started David Datra Fofana. Like I I would have much rather seen that because sure. he looked really good against Fulham. So mm-hmm. I'm hoping for uh you know maybe the game against Dortmund we we have that. But uh overall, like there's some good things. There's also some things that just feel like we got robbed from, but. Then again, I remember at the beginning of the season that was reversed for West Ham. Yeah, so <laughs> I, I, I saw I saw a, a funny meme that was actually posted by uh, by both West Ham and Chelsea players or uh, or fans. Crazy if a player would post yeah. this, but <laughs> uh, but it it was uh, I I I did I crunched the numbers right, and I, I found I found the Premier League table if uh, the the goal uh, that was taken away from West Ham. Uh, was the Cornet goal against Chelsea in the beginning of the season counted and the penalty uh, was called and converted in this game and to the exact same table, yeah. obviously. Yeah. So, I mean, uh, I- I'm I'm not uh, the kind of person that celebrates uh, getting decisions our way because of karma. I, th- I think, you know, two wrongs don't make a right. The one argument that I could see potentially making it so it's not a penalty is the fact that for some reason, VAR in, in, in this country, in, in England, is just so bad that they couldn't find, like, a very clear angle. It looks like it went off his hand, right? Yeah. But, it, but if you look at that and you're like, oh, it went off his knee, and, like, you convince yourself that it could have gone off his knee, there isn't enough camera angles or evidence to to say that it wasn't. And I'm just blown away that of all the money they've invested in VAR, A, they couldn't the 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 referee still needed to rely on it and and you know couldn't see that it, it probably went off his hand and b they couldn't have enough camera angles to prove that yeah. it went off his uh, hand instead of his knee yeah i i'm mainly just surprised that it that they didn't send the referee to 
go to the you know var booth to check it at least yeah. right like i that's what i'm most shocked about like if if it if it went there and then got and then was the call stood with no pe- penalty fine but the fact that like the review for that was sh- was like literally 10 to 15 seconds whereas the review for the clear o- the pretty two, clear offside minutes. call was yeah. for i think that's that's what gets me more mad than anything about the decision the fact that that one took like 15 seconds and the yeah. other one was was like four minutes long i i think that's a little bit ridiculous and just shows mm-hmm. once again uh var needs work yeah the last thing i'll say about the final third derby is that uh I, I look at these two teams as kind of two, uh, two sides of the same coin or two different coins, but the same side, however you want to, to phrase it. But I look at West Ham and I think that as a team together, as a unit, they did very good, obviously, because Chelsea's a very good team. They had to defend uh, really well. I, I think a lot of the defense did uh, very well uh, in being solid, not not letting uh, the front line of Chelsea get get too many uh, chances that could lead to a direct chance on goal uh, but there weren't any individual players that really wanted to take the game by the scruff of the neck and try to score uh, an equalizer before the equalizer was scored or a, maybe a potential game winner the Suchek uh, whatever rice goal uh, was offside I'm not going to count that for for anything uh, but Jared Bowen, who got an assist, wasn't actually all that good, in my opinion. Uh, Antonio, I, I felt like, has played a lot better, uh, but he also did not have as well good of a game as I would have liked. Uh, but on the other side of things, I think Chelsea, I thought the individual players were very good, but something about the unit, you know, the team as a unit, still isn't clicking. That's to be expected, but, you know... That is like the issue. We still have no idea what the future Chelsea looks like because it's just impossible to tell in the first month, two months, maybe in three months until the end of the season before everything settles. Is Graham Potter really going to keep his job or are they going to lose patience? Are they going to get rid of XYZ player? Are they going to buy more players? Are they going to keep Joao Felix? There's so many questions that... I look at this Chelsea team, I'm like, well, they're not really like playing as like a cohesive unit as some like, some other teams, and that's just kind of I the mean, way things are. Half of the starting 11, or just under half, I guess, because five out of the 11 players were new January signings. Yeah. So I, I think a little bit of those problems are to be expected. Yeah. That'll happen a little bit, but I think there were some promising signals in the game. I think, uh, yeah, I think there always are. But it, it's just got to come together a little bit better. And uh, I, I think that some of these players need to look for the extra pass uh, mm-hmm. at some points. There, there were a few instances where if, they, if the player just passed it, would have been a goal. But mm-hmm. oh, yeah. well. Oh, well. Uh, other VAR mistakes slash errors. Uh, uh, VAR Lee Mason forgot to draw offside lines on Ivan Tony's equalizer in a mistake that could have a huge impact on I- Arsenal's title hopes. Christian Norgard was found to be offside. Had the lines been drawn, the goal would have been disallowed, which means a lot because now that Manchester City won against Aston Villa, it means that the title race has been cut down to only a lead of three points for Arsenal. That's huge. And they play each other on Wednesday. Yeah. Uh, hey, if we're talking about an NFL script, 
All I'm saying is the Premier League is scripted because <laughs> that's a huge game. I'm going to watch it. Everyone else is going to watch it. Uh, but- I will not be watching it because I'm going to watch Chelsea probably lose to Dortmund. Yeah. Right. Or I'll, I'll watch them both at the same time. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, that's there you go. Uh, yeah. So VAR desperately needs some kind of retooling. We've talked about that. Go ch- you know, check out our episode about that. We, we talked ad nauseum about VAR for an entire episode. Uh, but now let's talk ad nauseum about something that we also like to talk about, which is financial fair play and a particular club that always seems to be uh, doing something. Uh, in 2021, was it 2020? Uh, they almost got right. bagged. Yeah, 20, 2020, I think. Yeah, it was, yeah. It was 2020. Of course, I'm talking about Manchester City, which last Monday, literally about 30 minutes after we uploaded the last week's episode, uh, news broke that Manchester City was being charged by the Premier League for over 100 financial misdeeds, one might say, crimes, fraudulent claims, allegations. It's going to be dragged on for a long time, so it's not like we have to come up with a a conclusive answer as to what is going to happen and what it means for the future of Manchester City Premier League and football as a whole, uh, because it is City's MO to, you know, legally comply with investigations, but argue literally every single detail, dragging it as long as possible. Uh, But this relates to a series of alleged breaches of financial rules between the 2009-2010 season, which is when they had their uh, takeover, and the 2017-2018 seasons, uh, which is about where this investigation began. This is a four, the conclusion of a four-year-long investigation by the Premier League. And City are accused by the Premier League of not providing accurate financial information uh, in particular, with respect to its revenue, uh, in particular, uh, the sponsorship uh, revenue, its related parties and its operating costs. The Premier League has additionally alleged that City did not comply with UEFA's regulations around its club's licensing and financial fair play in 2013-14 and between 2014-15 and 2017-18. It claimed uh, Manchester City's owners have been funneling money into the club via inflated sponsorship deals with UAE-based companies in order to circumvent UEFA's FFP rules, among other methods to circumvent uh, financial fair play, which kind of holds back clubs from just spending willy-nilly and forces them to use their revenue as a source of what they spend. So they can't just spend, spend, spend if their owners are rich. They have to make sure that they have a good amount of revenue in order to balance the books and the basic allegations are that uae uh who owns manchester city used uae based companies and just put as much said hey um this airline is going to sponsor you uh it's going to be as you need <laughs> yeah it's going to be oh the exact cost it, it it takes to buy i don't know erling holland or riyad mares uh a, a lot of money which is Maybe more than what a sponsorship usually would be, usually more than what the sponsorship should or could be. And they basically, the owners basically put the money into that secondary company and have that secondary company then sponsor Manchester City. Of course, uh, I'm sure a lot of other teams do this, but in particular, Manchester City have been uh, the biggest ones. So, Jack, your initial thoughts on this, your initial reactions, calling for their heads, yada, yada, yada. 
uh, what do you think about this? And we can talk about some of the more fine details coming up. Yeah, I mean, I think that, you know, I, I, this is, since this isn't the first time that this has happened to them, I'm not surprised uh, by this. I, I think it's interesting the the fact that they're able to use evidence, which I looked up. It's because Premier League doesn't have a statute of limitations on yes. how much evidence they can use. UEFA's is five years, which is why they only looked at 2012 to 2016. So I think this is really intriguing that they were able to go over these nine seasons and find, you know, a hundred violations of this. Mm-hmm. That that's that indicates more than just like a one time thing. Right. This is a pattern, it would seem. Again, we don't have all of the evidence on this because it's mostly private. Most of this is going to take place in private, so we're not going to know a lot of the details surrounding mm-hmm. it. And honestly, mo- any punishment that's doled out probably won't be until like next season at the earliest. At the very earliest, yes. Yeah, it, it's definitely not going to happen this season. Uh, so that that's that that's something to to think about. And I I think you know it they they if if the if they're found guilty they they deserve punishment does it, but i don't think uh, as some clubs have proposed like saying oh does that mean like you know uh other clubs should get the titles uh i think that opens a whole can of worms for from <laughs> sure. that like for example like if manchester city uh don't get first place or don't get the title in a certain year doesn't that also mean that the fifth place team should have qualified for the Champions League? And doesn't that also mean that in the Champions League, Manchester City shouldn't have uh, have beaten other teams that they did beat on the on route to mm-hmm. going there? It way too way too much there, right? Like you you you're talking about undoing years of of, of things and having to wade through all that. Yeah. And it's it's just not it's not worth that, I think. Uh, and, you know, you, there's precedent for stripping away titles like uh, with Juve in 2006 with that scandal. But I honestly what I what I think is this is probably just going to be like a points deduction type thing. OK, uh, I, I think I think that's the worst that the Premier League would go to because. Here's the thing. At at the end of the day, they know that they get a lot of money from Manchester City being like at the top and playing in a ton of competitions. And like they bring in a ton of money to the league, a ton of viewership because of the players they have. Uh, they don't want to risk losing out on that. Right. Uh, so I, I don't think I don't think they're going to relegate them from the from the Premier okay. League in in. In all honesty, it could be as simple as a fine, mm-hmm. and I I could see that happening. Like it, it that that could happen, and that yeah. then it will be functionally nothing because you know city will be able to pay it. But I I don't I don't see like full on relegation happening as a result of this because the Premier League knows that they have too much to gain. It's why clubs like other clubs like Wigan get hit with uh with uh with giant points deductions for relatively small breaches because they they there, there's no real punishment for uh for the league in terms of revenue if we can go down mm-hmm. right there, there's there's nothing bad with that uh so that that's what that's that's what i think it, it will will something happen maybe we don't really know but yeah uh if it does i don't expect it to be all that severe 
mm-hmm. uh, just because of the equation on both sides of it. Yeah, I, I, I do. I do want to talk about like the, the punishment in the future, but I also want want to make sure we are talking about kind of the context leading up to this. Right. You mentioned uh, the the kind of time barring uh, the statute of limitations there. Manchester City did like do this stuff and they were found guilty. Uh, They were banned from European competitions for two years by UEFA back in uh, February 2020. And that sanction was overturned by the Court of Arbitration for Sports uh, in July of that year. Uh, And the the chief, the former chief investigator of UEFA, Yves uh, Lettermy, said himself that they had hard evidence against City. Like they are convinced that they had committed economic fraud and that sponsor money was paid by the owner. And after, you know, sending it up to CAS, uh, CAS, it was found that the, the main bulk of their, uh, of their charges, which was that sponsorship deal, uh, was, you know, they overturned that and suddenly it turned from uh, a two million uh, pound fine and however long the punishment was going to be the two years uh, to just uh, uh, 30 million, I believe. Uh, or, or at the very least, it, it was heavily reduced. And at that point, that's basically nothing. And they still got to keep all of their titles before it didn't actually affect any of their uh, past or future or present glory. And that's that's where we were. And suddenly we get these news. We know now that Manchester City can't appeal to the, uh, the Court of Arbitration for Sport because... Uh, the Switzerland-based court does not have any jurisdiction over a specifically English arbitration process. So the Premier League could, I mean, they can't just do whatever they want, but they are <laughs> they are kind of like the, the people that are leading this charge. and are, they, they are the top court in this yes, sense. Yes, yes. Uh, but but this, is, this is still after, like, you know, we have the... We have the evidence. We don't have the evidence like personally or in the public, but there have been a variety of like leaked Manchester City executive emails basically confirming that this is happening, that that uh, there's a quote, we need to be cleaner than this because they're talking about their financial uh, misdeeds here. And so it's it, it's a little bit telling that Manchester City have been found pretty much guilty of this kind of stuff and now that there are a hundred plus charges it kind of takes a little bit of the nuance away from the the discussion right it's 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 a it's a little a bit of it is a little bit complicated still because there are a lot of things at play and like you mentioned this is going to be taking a long long time you mentioned though that the Premier League wants to keep this quiet they want to be able to uh still profit off of what manchester city does which kind of lends to the fact that the premier league isn't going after manchester city because they hate manchester city because they keep on winning like you said they like the fact that manchester city is like a global brand because it puts more money into the premier league right they're doing this because they just simply can't have this happen because of what it means for other teams. They need to set a precedent. They need to set a pre- precedent. Especially 
when you look at the even broader context, which is that the British government right now is discussing whether or not the Premier League can be left to its own devices or if it needs independent regulators, like independent regulation. This hurts that case a lot that the Premier League can stand on its own when you have a billion plus pound fraud being committed by one of the biggest (laughs) actors in the league, right? And so the Premier League wants to deal with this like the most, I'd say, like neutral way to make sure that they they can't like punish them wholesale because it's like, oh, wow, you are admitting that you can't control your own clubs, but they also can't not address it and just allow it to happen because then people the government still says oh you can't control your your clubs even now and so the Premier League is in a very sticky situation that's why the the statement wasn't like this this large like stamp the flag into the ground we are doing this we are owning Manchester City we are dunking on them mm-hmm. it, it it was you know a single article you know, somewhere like under the website after talking about Erling Holland and Harry Kane for a couple of articles, it, it's just, it was hidden and they want to keep it hidden. And Jack, uh, we, we can talk about the punishments now uh, that you kind of began, unless you have something to talk about uh, the past UEFA investigation or kind of like the other context between this investigation. I mean, hey, it seems like the, it's, it seems like they're guilty if the evidence was there to begin with. <laughs> yeah. Uh, if if they found if they were able to look at a longer period of time, it stands to reason that they found a lot more than what was originally found in that investigation. And if that's the case, uh, it's pretty clear uh, on that. Yeah. So we'll we'll see if if, if we'll see if they're if they're found guilty or if uh, uh-huh. may, maybe some of the independent commission finds an extra paycheck or an extra pile of money <laughs> randomly laying around. Uh, We'll see. <laughs> yeah. Uh. Yes. Uh. Now let's talk about a little bit about the punishment. Uh. And what is fair? What it means for Manchester City? Uh. We talk about the stripping of titles. There is like, there is, I guess, precedent for that, but that was not from the Premier League. That was you know from Syria. I feel like the Premier League does not have a huge history of doing something as quote-unquote drastic as that um i I found a quote from james hill a legal director specializing in sports regulatory matters uh he's saying quote i would expect that if there is a points deduction it would be applied going forward so something you said like maybe next season there's a points deduction uh knowing city's gonna be a pretty hefty uh, points deduction but he said impact yeah generally panels don't like deciding titles in a court process so the the panels themselves they're a legal entity they don't want to be deciding like oh the 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 2017 18 was that when they won 2018 2019 uh season uh we are giving you a point deduction that is your punishment because doing it in that way does not give a, a real tangible punishment to the club if anything it's more you know you know it's fulfilling for fans of other teams like let's say liverpool now gets a couple titles tottenham gets uh their their league cup wins or whatever that they so desperately want and need right so united ole Gunnar solskjaer you know 
gets a retroactive trophy. Yay, yay, yay. I mean, City would surely fight that, right? And the Premier League, would they would they even want that as the punishment? Like, it, it does that not hurt the fans more than anything? And does that is that actually like what matters here? I don't know. I I don't think so. And like like I said, it's a whole can of worms, right? Because over the course of a season, what if like uh, you know second and third place I are separated by a few points, like one or two points, and that third place team beats City twice, the second place team you know uh, beat City uh, once and, and lost them once. If you if you go back and say we're we're pretending City didn't win this, they didn't play in this or something like that that changes the entire outcome of things and could drop could drop a team down and i actually had it reversed if it was the other way around right like if mm-hmm. second place be, beat them twice then are you just dropping all those points away too like uh every every point that was earned off of city does that now go away and does the table recalculated it's not worth that and like that that's not the point of this investigation the point of the investigation isn't to decide who wins a trophy the point of the investigation is to set a clear precedent about financial fair play breaches. Right. That that's what people have to remember. I I feel like this like the the discussion like and fans being like, "Oh my god, we could win the we could win a a trophy." And it's like that is not likely to happen given yeah. what this is meant to do. If it does happen, cool for you. I feel like that's like literally a one in a million chance type of thing. I yeah. I don't see that as a giant possibility. Also, the most Mickey Mouse trophy you could ever win. <laughs> Honestly, yeah, like especially in the in the season where like City was away by like twenty five points. Yeah, like wow, you you won technically. I guess. Yeah. I hope you're proud of this. Like mm-hmm. the trophy that you definitely, totally, legitimately won. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean to be fair that there are there have been precedent set for clubs not necessarily like getting the trophies but suing i mean we could look at the classic case of carlos tevez uh and his wonky transfer to west ham where sheffield united who got relegated claimed that if carlos tevez wasn't there and the goal that they scored uh wasn't scored they would have gotten relegated instead of sheffield united and so they sued them for i'm forgetting the exact amounts but uh, and they won, and West Ham ha- had to pay uh, for that. Um, again, I I don't necessarily see that as like the most equitable and most effective solution. We could look at solutions such as, I mean, <laughs> you know, other Premier League clubs. I want them kicked out of the Premier League and relegated if that was the case. Which is, you know, selfishly as a, as a fan of a club that's currently in the in the relegation race, if we can get only two clubs <laughs> relegated instead of three, that does that does a lot. That does a lot. Let's get that clear. Uh, but when we look at relegation. Is is that fair? Is a points deduction fair? Like like how you, would the points deduction have to be like very very huge, like a twenty five point points deduction, or to like ensure that they can't just yeah like a de facto or a yeah. de facto regulation essentially right yeah like 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 if if relegation or points deduction are on the tables like something that affects directly the competition 
that Man City finds themselves in or uh, the the context in which they find themselves in the competition like the Premier League. Is that fair, Jack? Is that effective? What do you think? I I don't I don't really know if, if that's the if that's the the way for it to go. And plus, I, I, I don't think there's much like precedent for the Premier League automatically relegating a team for doing something. There's points deductions, like like you said, that are just de facto relegations. Uh, Derby County recently comes to mind for for one of those. Uh, Wigan Athletic it also is up there. Like they've done that before, but I I feel like the 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 idea of like relegation for that just won't work. And like I said earlier, that's gonna hurt any revenue that they get. Like if uh, I I don't think they do that. I I just don't see that happening. Yeah, I that is tough. But then the question becomes like, what is fair in my fantasy world? Uh, the punishment that I would do if I was supreme chancellor of football would just be like, you are banned from any FA controlled competition. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like you can't you can't even play in the championship. You like you as a team are just not going to exist for one season. That that's like wow. that's like that's like the that cuts into like all of their revenue that that inc- that incredibly increases their expenditure to revenue ratio to the fact that they have to sell players. That that is hardcore. That's not going to happen. Here, Nor do I Yeah, go ahead. I I think the other thing though like and that the reason why they wouldn't do that and why they wouldn't do what you're suggesting there of course is the super league because if yeah, they just get was, banned that, from it, <laughs> you, what, what happens immediately is they go oh we'll just join the super league then it's over yeah like and then you're like and what what are they going to do then to like threaten to relegate them again oh yeah. wow you're you're going down to league one now and they're like yeah. okay uh we don't care we're in the super league instead mm-hmm. you're kicked out of the fa oh no we'll join the super league still it's done <laughs> like i i feel like that would it just wouldn't work all that well for yeah. what they're trying to do uh i think fairest idea is you know like automatic points deduction of like 15 points and then a fine uh, of like a of a specific proportion of how much they inflated the finances yeah Oh, that's gonna be a lot of money, which is fine. I mean, yeah, I, it's a it's going to be a lot of money. They're going to still have it because, yeah. like, it's it's the city football group, mm-hmm. right? Like, uh, I I still think they'll they'll have the money, but I think that's the most fair mm-hmm. uh, punishment for it. Like, a points deduction is neutral; they can still compete compete and make up for that, which they probably will do regardless. And on the other hand. They can uh, they they have to pay back some of what they did, because then it actually acts as a deterrent for other for other clubs. Because mm-hmm. if it's just a fine, you know, wealthy clubs are going to continue to get away with it, right? Like mm-hmm. they, it, it won't be a punishment. So it's got to, I think fine plus points is the is the is the compromise that the that that comes across that satisfies everything that needs to happen. I think yeah, because our goal here is to. Not just punish Manchester City, but as you said, make sure it doesn't happen in the future. And this is this is like a big deal. Like, like it's hard to overstate. Like, like people are like, oh, it's going to be a slap in the wrist, and it might be a slap in the wrist. It might be, but there has been at no point in the Premier League's history, in English football's history, perhaps, that a case of this magnitude has been brought up 
for financial fair play regulations, for economic regulations. The fact that it's 100 plus, the fact that it's over, I'm assuming, a billion pounds in play here is unprecedented in every single definition of the word. And I think that the punishment needs to be unprecedented. So you set the precedent that this doesn't happen again. That was bars. So I, I think having like some like the biggest fine that you could possibly think of that would that is like fair and just punishment is on the cards here. Points deduction. I mean, yeah, like th- that might be a more like visual way to look at things like 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 something where it's it's very noticeable what the change is. They're 15 points down. Oh, instead of being in second place, now they're in sixth place or whatever. That's a bit that's a big change. I also like the idea with a fine that that money. I, I don't know where the money usually goes for fines like this, probably throughout the FA, probably to, to fund some of like the programs, whatever makes sense. Again, in my fantasy world and what I think would actually really deter clubs in the future is if they ever get caught. The money I think goes I to goes to their rival clubs. Yep. Manchester City <laughs> pays a billion, a billion pounds. And 50 million of that goes to their closest rival. Are you kidding me? That'd be. I think or like you just like distribute that and say like from this from this fine, we're going to give an equal amount to each of the 19 teams. Yeah. And it's just like now that that's something that. Yeah. That's a deterrent. Because and maybe that's such a big deterrent that it it just makes clubs be like, all right, well, we're just like. We're going to be even more careful now and like try to hide it. But imagine like imagine Manchester City the season following gets scored on by a player that Manchester United bought from Manchester City's fine. <laughs> Tell me it's, that won't be perfect. <laughs> uh, on top of that, I also think like a transfer ban is something that is a effective in my mind and B has like a lot of precedence. I mean, Chelsea yeah. Football Club most recently in my mind. So there's there's a lot of things that you can do here that i think are more fair more likely transfer ban and fine i think has the ability to be effective send a message while not being as i don't know masturbatory as this like you're getting relegated to league two you're playing wrexham next season you know what i mean it's like i i don't think i like how in this dream scenario wrexham have been promoted yes of course course, i like that okay uh, so, so next steps, just to wrap this up, is Murray Rosen, the chair of the Premier League Independent Judicial Panel, will select a three-person panel to review the case, uh, a process that will likely take a long time. Uh, not only does that, that three-person panel need to be uh, selected, but the entire process needs to be gone through. So we're looking at, not in the near future, at the, at the earliest in months and months later later on in this year into next season we'll get an answer and then that's not to even say that the punishment's gonna be 100 percent set in stone at that point so yes all right jack well we talk about manchester city long enough let's go over the trivia and we'll we'll close things off talking about the super league and the the predecessor to the super league the champions league so why don't you explain uh what today's uh stat padding uh is themed and what stat padding even is yeah. uh stat padding is a trivia game that takes statistics from soccer teams and transforms them into questions that aj gets to guess the last two weeks we've done grid trivia which is based off of a tiktok that 
I believe a channel that mostly covers the NFL did. And, you know, it's, it's Super Bowl Sunday. So mm-hmm. I decided, how about some Super Bowl Sunday comparison trivia? And what I mean by that is I'm going to tell you an NFL statistic and their leader in that statistic. So, uh, oh God. and then you, ha- <laughs> and then I'm going to tell you the statistic that you have to match it to, like the team that holds that statistic in the Premier League, team or player, I should say. Oh God. So, for example, like, you know, uh, pass completion by a quarterback would be equivalent to pass completion <laughs> oh my by a player. <laughs> so, I went real in depth for this and I looked up statistics from the NFL and the Premier League and put them together. Uh, I have. A lot of questions in this. I have nine because there have been nine Super Bowls that both teams have played in. Okay, we can we can cut that down as as, as sure. we go through it. But some of these questions are a lot shorter. So, are you ready for this? You don't uh, have to know any NFL tr- like statistics for this. Okay, so just to get that straight, All it right. is still mostly mostly Premier League. I'm ready. I'm ready. All right. So, question one. The San Francisco 49ers held <laughs> teams to the least amount of points per season uh, it or points per game per season in the season with only 17.2 points per game. Which Premier League team defense oh. has held teams to the least goals scored per game? OK, so uh, least goals conceded per game is what I'm looking for. OK, here. I think this is simple because I'm guessing this is also the team that has the least amount of losses which is Newcastle United with one. So I'm going to go with Newcastle United. That is correct. Only 0.6 goals scored against them per game. So question one, you kind of get how this is going now. So I I see. I see. All right. So another uh, another uh, question here. Green Bay had the most dropped passes in the NFL (laughs) with 30. Which team has the most missed big chances in the Premier League this season? Okay. I think that's about equivalent to the statistic in there. Dropped passes, missed big chan- sure. chances. Okay. Close enough. Well, hmm. I'm, try- I'm trying to think. Because I-, I feel like in order to get- miss big chances, you have to create big chances, mm-hmm. right? So I'm thinking about a-, a team that is usually pretty good, maybe scores a good amount of goals, but could potentially score more. Uh, I know hmm. Chelsea have been struggling offensively this season. I'm wondering if that's more of a, I guess you know better than me, more of a, a creation thing or that's a, uh, a whatever thing. I'm going to go with Liverpool because I know Darwin Nunez exists. I'm going to say Liverpool. <laughs> you are correct. Yes. yes. Uh, Liverpool have missed 45 big chances this yeah. season, uh, despite scoring 32 goals. Yeah. So quite a, quite a number of missed chances there. Nice. Uh Next question here. We're going to a player. Okay. Patrick Mahomes led for total touchdown passes with 45. Which Premier League player has the most assists this season? Most assists. Oh, man. Uh, my heart wants to say like an Arsenal player because they are currently on top. Uh, but I don't think an Arsenal player has really like set themselves apart like you know martinelli and soccer very good i think they split a lot of assists i know christian erickson i i think uh bruno have been playing really well uh i'm gonna go with kevin de bruyne because i feel like he just like kind of passes the ball in erling holland's general direction and erling holland scores 
Uh, your instinct there is correct. It is yes. Kevin De Bruyne with eleven assists. Okay, so you've got you're you're three for three right now. Yeah, uh, so it's gonna change. It's gonna change. Well, yeah, I let's know. go to some tougher questions. Oh here. gosh, the Arizona Cardinals had the most penalties per game in 2022 with six point nine uh, penalties per game. Which Premier League team has the most fouls per game? Fouls per game. Uh, I feel like it's going to be a like a physical team. I feel like it's a team that might have a, you know, a, a little bit of a reputation to play dirty. And, you know, we, we saw Tyler Adams just destroying Jaden Sancho. Uh, no foul, though. Got the ball. I'm going to go with Leeds United for this one. You got it again. Yes. Leeds 12.9 fouls per game. Uh, so, yeah, right. they're, 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 they're really playing up there. So you're you're. F- you're four for four right now. Uh, five questions or four and a bonus if you want to yeah. go all the way through. We sure. haven't taken that long with these so far. You're kind of blowing through them. So yeah, dude, I'm locked in right now. We're all ready all for right. the Super Bowl. We're going. We're going a little bit tougher here. Oh so, gosh. Geno Smith had the highest pass percentage this season oh, no with seventy percent completion. Which Premier League player has the highest pass completion percentage? And I have some hints on this one because this one is tough. So okay, I'm trying to. I'm 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 going through uh the, the table right here, I'm trying to look for a a team that I feel like. I I feel like would play like a, a higher, maybe like possession percentage, uh, kind of like tactic here, uh, and I'm trying to think of a player that like. Is kind of the heartbeat for that. I'll, I'll take a hint. I'll take a hint. Okay. There's, there's so no I'll, I'll give you two right away. <laughs> sure, it's a defender. And they play oh. for a top four club. Top four club. Okay. That that actually might help a lot. Uh, so instantly I, I, I'm looking at like, like City. And I'm looking at like maybe it's Dios. Maybe it's, it's Walker. Arsenal too, you know. I, I feel like Ben White uh, gets in there. Maybe uh, Saliba. Th- this, might, this might be me choking it. But I feel like. Do you want the like- last hint, by the way? There's uh, one okay, more hint. Yeah, I'll, t- I'll take a hint. Yeah, Swiss, Swiss. Oh no, I, I, I'm gonna choke my on my Swiss knowledge. Oh wait, isn't? Oh no, I, now I'm afraid I'm gonna say the 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 wrong per, the wrong person. Um, Swiss. These okay. hints were crafted in a way so it wouldn't automatically give you the answer, okay, but narrows okay. it down. Uh. Oh, dude, I'm I'm actually not gonna get this. Uh, now now I'm thinking like is is Saliva Swiss? I don't I I don't think so. Is for some reason I'm thinking like like Delot of uh, Manchester United is Swiss. That doesn't really sound like a Swiss name. Uh, uh I, I was honestly gonna say Trippier, but I I know for a fact he's not Swiss. <laughs> uh. I, I am just choking people's nationalities right now. I'll go with Delot. He's probably not Swiss. He is not. He's Portuguese. That, uh, yeah, exactly. I should have actually known that. <laughs> and it is Manuel Akanji, 94.2%. Kanji. Followed closely by John Stones with 94.1%. But wow. uh, it was meant to get to split you between Fabian Schar or Cher who's also mm. Swiss, a center back, and plays for a top four team, and a kanji. So it, yeah. it was meant to mm. narrow it well, down like that. I didn't but... get either of them, so whatever. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right, let's, let's move on to another question here that's a little bit, maybe a little bit easier. So RB means something different in the NFL and EPL. <laughs> 
right? Yeah. Raider Josh Jacobs was the top scoring running back in fantasy this season with 275 points. Who is currently the top scoring right back in Premier League fantasy? In oh, in Premier League fantasy. Yep. Okay. Oh man, that's tough because like defenders are just defenders. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, in years past, it would definitely be Trent and Arnold. Definitely not the case now. Uh, I will go with uh, Kieran Trippier because I, I I believe he he is places a, a right back and I feel like he's gotten a good amount of clean sheets and a little bit of assists sprinkled in. You are correct. Trippier yes. is up there. 145 points. He's actually the third highest scoring player in fantasy wow. Premier League this season, right behind uh, Kane and Holland. Okay. There you so go. He, he is up there. And I've got a few more questions that are tougher. Okay. Ja- give them ja- to me. Jacksonville's, Foyasade Oluokun has the most tackles per game in the NFL this season with 11.1. What Premier League player has the most tackles per 90 this season? Again, a tough one. So do you want some hints? I'll take the hints right away. Okay. I I don't even have any logic to a defender who is Polish. Polish defender. Oh, see, you can't do this to me because I just... (laughs) Poli- is that the only hint? Uh, there's one hint? other one. If you, if you want, yes, if you want to think I'll on those right for away. a little bit, you will take it right away. Okay. Yeah. No longer plays in the Premier League. No longer plays in the yep. Premier League. But this is this season. Yep. So a January transfer. A January transfer. Okay. I think. I think. I think Bednarak is. Of Polish, and he played for Southampton, and Southampton are on the bottom of the table. So maybe he, they just sold him. I don't know. I'm, I, don't, I don't know. I'm gonna go with Bednarak. Just a wild guess. It is not correct for that <sighs> one. It is Mateusz Click. Oh, he just got transferred to DC United. Actually, that's right. That's right. Yeah. So uh, he has 2.7 uh, per game yeah. for uh, for tackles. Two more. Uh, one of them is tough, and one of them is a bonus question. Okay, sure. So, Pittsburgh has caught has the most caught interceptions per game with one point two. Which EPL team leads the way with the most interceptions per game? Okay, interceptions. Hmm, okay. So you might be thinking, you know, a team that defends a lot. Yeah, I was gonna say, like, I, I feel like it's a team that's kind of on the back foot here, uh, but still is like. Uh, at least a little bit defensively sound, but for sure, like I think it's. I feel like it also has to be a team that doesn't concede a lot. So it has to be like a team that is defending. Well, obviously, if you intercept the ball, you're at least doing something right. I'm thinking bottom I, half team. I'm thinking maybe the team in the bottom half that has conceded the least. Jack, I'm going with my West Ham United for this. Might be a shot in the dark. It's so close. West Ham ah. is ten point seven. It's Southampton with ten point nine. So I believe that puts you at five for for eight. Not bad, not bad. A bonus question here. Worth sure. two points. There's two okay. different answers here. So last week, the webpage Southwest Londoner posted an article assigning each NFL team <laughs> to a premier to oh, a to wow. an English football counterpart. Oh, I know where this is going. That they said best matched. What team did they match with Chelsea? And what team did they match with West Ham? Oh, so I think it's the NFL team. I thought it was going to yep. be back. I thought it was going to what Super Bowl? No, okay, no, I, okay. I'm, go, I'm going. I'm going this way for it. Just uh, 
what what team do you think speaks to West Ham? And this is and this is from the perspective of a British person, by the way. Of a British person. Yep. Okay. And Chelsea. Okay. Yep. Chelsea. Let me do Chelsea first. Okay. Uh, if you gave do me you, like Manchester if you United. if you want some hints as well, I can I can okay. give you some. Uh, I'll, I'll take I'll take I'll take a hint. Yeah. Okay. So for Chelsea, we're looking at an NFC team. NFC team. Okay. Uh. Can I get can I get the for West Ham United as well? West Ham is also an NFC team. Also an NFC team. And <laughs> I'll give you one more hint. Sure. The team that Chelsea was assigned to did not make the playoffs. The team West Ham was assigned to did make the playoffs. Did make the playoffs. So that narrows it okay. down right. quite a lot to I, I I pulled up AFC and NFC. Uh, I'm gonna go. Hmm. I'm gonna go with for for Chelsea. I'm gonna go with. Oh gosh! Oh gosh! I'm gonna go with the Steelers, who I believe did not make the playoffs uh, this year. As an AFC team, uh, I feel like you know both historic franchises. What uh, the steel? Wait, the Steelers are. Oh yeah, the steel. No, the Steelers are AFC, aren't they? Oh, oh, sorry. Did, did I get it mixed up? It, it's, uh, okay, <laughs> they, so, so, they're so, both so. NFC teams. They are both. Okay, NFC so they're both teams. NFC teams. All right, all right, all right. Sorry. Just uh, <laughs> I, I didn't say anything. I didn't say anything. I, I didn't take the answer, so you're good. <laughs> so so NFC did not make the playoffs. Did make the playoffs. Okay. Oh gosh! Now I have to remember who made the playoffs. Uh, you can look at the standings. That's not okay. going. To, that, that's not okay. gonna. That's not gonna. That's not. Give yeah, away that's the obviously answer. not gonna yeah. give it away. Uh, I'm actually. Uh, I'm actually like really, really uh, interested in this. Uh, but I, I'll go with Chelsea's first. Cause I, I'm. I'm pretty sure I have like a decent answer. Okay. And that is the Los Angeles Rams. You know. Uh, you know good team kind of a flashy team has a lot of uh, good young players did not make the playoffs they're doing doing a little worse uh this season but still has like a lot of like recent success as well uh for the uh nfc team that is west ham that made the playoffs okay mm -hmm. so that narrows it down quite a lot yeah and there's some teams that i feel like it just can't be because there's, there's some teams that are too good. The Eagles, <laughs> I could see the 49ers, the Buccaneers. I mean, like you, you got to think about like Tom Brady, like being in there. The Cowboys are Manchester United for sure. The Giants are too much of a big, a, a big team. That's probably going to be like Tottenham or something that they, that they suck. Or um, I'd, I'd say, I'd say it's more like, a, like an Arsenal in years past seahawks potentially but jack i'm gonna go with my minnesota vikings as being west ham's equivalent uh sometimes kind of good uh most times very bad always disappoints me in the end i'm gonna go with those two teams los angeles rams and the minnesota vikings you got them both wrong and i can't oh. i can't believe you couldn't guess who the vikings would be that's tottenham for sure think about uh, it I, I, is, that, is that actually what they said? <laughs> yeah, that's what. Uh, but All I right. will, I will give you a bonus point because you called the Cowboys being Manchester United. <laughs> yeah, uh, well, that's obvious. The the I I the Rams. One of their complaints <laughs> is that a lot of their team is pretty old currently. Okay. So 
it uh, it was actually the Packers for Chelsea because there mm. are a lot of young draft picks after trading away sure, some talismanic sure. players uh, that were doing really well for them and struggling quite a bit throughout the throughout it, even though they have some uh, some obviously talented older players. Yeah. And it uh, West Ham was the Seahawks, which I'm not sure if I mm. agree with, but I also owners have a that. lot of money, but not necessarily willing to spend okay. a ton of it. Also, uh, yeah, I, I I don't really see that one as much, but uh, I'll I'll give you a bonus point for a six out of eight on that for okay. uh, since you called the the Cowboys one, and that's funny. Uh, Honestly, so. if I had to pick any team for West Ham to be, I'd give it to the Washington Commanders. Uh, that's that's fair. I can see slightly it. problematic owners in the capital. Uh, not a great stadium. <laughs> uh, uh, you know. Kind of the same colors, I suppose. You know, I don't know. That's yeah, it's my, my pick. I I honestly think the Rams are might be a better pick for Chelsea than than the Packers are for that. But yeah, on a historical well. sense. All right, it, All right. it was a British person doing it. I don't know. Yeah, true. <laughs> I I should have also factored that in. Oh, whatever. All right, Jack. Let's talk about the Super League now. Hopefully, listeners, you did a little bit better than me. Uh, we don't know a lot about the new Super League, but it is kind of in the works potentially the new super league launched to replace the champions league now with 60 to 80 team tournaments uh burned reichardt the chief executive of 822 sports management group said the quote the foundations of european football are in the danger of collapsing it's time for a change it is the clubs that bear the entrepreneurial risk in football but when important decisions are at stake they are too often forced to sit idly by as the sporting and financial foundations crumble around them that's so interesting that 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 the foundations that the clubs created are crumbling that's interesting. And now they are doing something about it. Interesting. Before, 20 teams, 15 permanent members, with, with those permanent members not being relegated. Among those are, of course, the Barcelona, Juventuses, uh, Real Madrid's, not PSG or Bayern. I don't think they are invited, but nope. you know, a lot of the Premier League teams, stuff like that. Uh, five qualifying members. It would be played in conjunction with the existing leagues. No promotion, relegation, what yada, yada, yada. Within the span of 15 hours, we already had teams pulling out of the original Super League back in April of 2021. What an exciting time that was. That was, that, that was a, a crazy moment in time. But the new format, which we still don't know a ton about, is 60 to 80 teams. Minimum of 14 matches for every team. Also, in conjunction with the domestic leagues, but not much else is known. It should be noted that this is, you know, about the same amount of teams that participate in the UCL, UEL, and UECL. Uh, so maybe the going thoughts are that it replaces like the league uh, kind of format where there's like maybe, you know, three leagues of 20 to 24 uh, promotion relegation between them. But yet, we still don't know uh, what that it's all about, uh, but this is maybe as a response to maybe uh, the Champions League increasing the team count is the response to the Super League, uh, among other large scale changes that are ha happening to the Champions League. But, you know, this is also, I think, the, the cool, interesting context, not cool, interesting context is that we have talked for the last weeks, months, years about the financial mismanagement of Juve City this week. 
Barcelona. Real Madrid. Real Madrid, exactly. There's a lot of news here and uh, a lot of not, not, not great news. And this has kind of maybe led to the Super League happening. So, Jack, what do you think? I have, I have some interesting quotes. I, I have questions myself, but I'm sure you also have some angry thoughts about the Super League. So, so what, what do you think? Is this going to happen? What's going on here? Uh, probably not. Also, it's still dumb. It's still a terrible idea. It's still like there. I, I, I'm one quote. Maybe you had this one prepared as well, but yeah. uh, from a Sky Sports article, uh, La Liga's president uh, in a statement compared it to the wolf in the story of Little Red Riding Hood. It's disguising itself as an open and meritocratic competition, but underneath there is still the same selfish, elitist, and greed-driven project. Don't let That's the tales quote. fool you. Like kind of bars, honestly, from, yeah. from the La Liga president. Uh, that that's that that's pretty that's pretty that's pretty good. And I think it summarizes a lot. Like they're trying to appear more open here. Like, oh, there's no more permanent members. Uh, it's up to 80 teams. More people can come along for the for the fun that's going to happen. There will be 14 matches, a lot of extra time for players to get to play. But it still has the same sort of core issues. And that it's still kind of run by these wealthy few to try and come up with, uh, you know, more competition for them, more financial revenue for them because uh-huh. they have mismanaged their own finances. Uh, you know, like they, they've had so many opportunities to do something to fix it. Right. They, they have they they could have made different decisions, but they didn't. They they dug themselves deeper into a hole and now they need to try and dig themselves out. So they're just trying to get other other clubs to buy into it so they can so they can save themselves and uh apparently according to that same sky sports article the premier league teams kind of just viewed this as like a laughing stock almost uh-huh. uh there and uh it's interesting that the proposal talked about it being under european union values and laws which seems like very intentionally chosen language to exclude the premier right. league in it which you know, after the spending we- window uh, that we just saw, I can mm-hmm. kind of see why they why they would exclude that. But I don't think that this really gets to like the core, like this really addresses any of the main concerns with it. The concerns are still there about like, what what does this mean for other competitions? What does this mean for ev- for a bunch of other teams uh, in, that aren't going to be involved in it? You know, how can we manage all of these schedules? and you can't really, especially if the Champions League is still going on. Yeah, it's going to be an absolute nightmare to try and schedule. Adding international breaks to that, I don't see how it works at all. I didn't see how the original proposal would have worked, and I don't see how this one works either. Uh, I think this is just an example of three clubs who have so poorly mismanaged themselves that they are literally at their last thread. Mm-hmm. Let's let's make it clear that even if this comes to fruition, there's no guarantee that this is like the end of the financial mismanagement, right? There's no guarantee that in 50, even 30 years from now, there isn't a need for another breakaway league because the revenues are, are not enough because Barcelona and Real Madrid and Juventus 
are still hemorrhaging money and need even more revenue gains, you know? It's like, oh, let's just reinvent the game of soccer. Let's have three goals because that's going to increase ad revenue or whatever. There's nothing to say to that. And let's also make it clear that this this assertion that European football is broken is correct. I don't think anyone could argue that, especially when you're not the Premier League. In my mind, the Premier League is the Super League. In, in in terms of in terms of being as independent from other leagues as as financially successful and as financially independent, the Premier League, which is in itself a breakaway league from the rest of the English uh, pyramid, is what everyone else wants. And, and I did not even know about like the EU values. You're right; that is completely uh, charged language to to you know basically be like an us versus uh, against them kind of situation with the Premier League being the them with all other Europe maybe banding together to create like a European Super League no 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 British Isles here oh no I don't know maybe Scotland I, I don't know you, you, you can include them Ireland maybe I don't know they're not they're part of the EU still so I don't know but European football as it stands right now cannot survive without changes to how revenue and expenditures are balanced. Now, I'm not I'm not saying that this like this the, the, a super league type thing has to happen, but I'm saying that like certain regulations, certain like like European wide regulations need to be enforced in order to make sure that stuff like this doesn't happen again, and most importantly that this current status quo can be alleviated so we don't have Juventus needing to cook the books in order to uh, avoid a 250 million euro deficit. And we've said this you know, before, but a FIFA mandated salary cap, like a heavier FFP, might be the solution. And this is coming from someone who's... I, I don't think that soccer should be operated like a business. Right. The point the, the, the point of, you know, sports is not to make the most amount of money as a club because it, it's just not going to work. You're, it, it's just if you keep on doing that, eventually you're just going to run out of potential revenue because nobody wants to cheer for a, 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 a sucky team. Right. But at the same time, like your goal is to be self-sufficient enough that you can like be like true neutral when it comes to finances. And that's not the case right now. So in my mind, I, I don't think the European Super League is the right answer financially, nor not even the same thing about the fans. I'm sure the fans don't want this. In fact, UEFA, the European Club Association, the domestic leagues, and a lot of fans spoke out of, against it uh, in some way or the other in the, in the past week. The only people that want this are the teams and like the owners of those teams and maybe the fans who don't know any better or... Uh, I don't know, have some kind of inferiority complex and, and want to prove themselves to the mighty, mighty Premier League. I don't know. I don't know. But the quote that I had, well, well first of all, the, there's a lot of questions about how this would even work, what qualification looks like. Are they going to start at the bottom of the league? Is there going to be promotion relegation? How do we define the top 80 clubs in Europe? Because last time I checked, that's, that's almost all Premier League teams are, are yep. part of that. It, like, where do you draw the line? How does the initial qualification work? Who is this open to? Is it open to every single European team, potentially? Is it like the Champions League where it's like 
the top two whatever and it gets seeded or whatever like is it is it a new version every single every single time or is this like a a kind a, a low-key permanent fixture where if you're in the top of the leagues you're gonna have to get relegated like three times in order to like get out of this like structure i don't know what time of the week is it going to be played because you mentioned if it's everything's in conjunction it's a nightmare but the quote that i was talking about which we can end it off here at least what i have to say about it is from kevin miles of the football sports association and you know if you've been watching the last of us you, you know you know about zombies and whatnot his quote is quote the walking corpse that is the european super league twitches again with all the self-awareness one associates with a zombie. They say dialogue with fans and independent fan groups is essential, yet the European zombie marches on, willfully ignorant to the contempt supporters across the continent have for it. Which I think kind of summarizes my thoughts perfectly. You know, like Jack said, they, they, are, they are kind of kind of posturing that they're doing this because they want to make the product better. They want to fix the European football. They want to make the fan experience better. But every single facet of European football is against this move 100%, except for the people that will directly benefit from it. That's all I have to say. I don't know. That's all I have to say. Anything else, Jack, before we talk about the better Super League, the Champions League, which has its own problems, but whatever. Yeah, uh the Super League is, uh, always has been, and always will be, a very stupid idea designed to enrich the richest. And yes, that's it. That's it. That is it. All right, Jack. Very good. Let's give some Champions League predictions. Um, and if we have time, talk about the She Believes Cup predictions as well. Uh, RB Leipzig versus Manchester City. Jack, who is winning that? City. Uh, I I I think RB Leipzig are decent. I don't think they're uh, good enough to beat City, especially after uh, their performance today over Villa and just seeing everything seem to work. Uh, I just don't see Leipzig doing it. Plus, Leipzig has injuries to uh, four of their key players, including Nkunku and yeah. Olmo and uh, Gulashi. I don't have high hopes. Yeah, City have chemistry issues, but they're still very, very good. Leipzig aren't as strong as before. I'm going City as well. Club Bruges versus Benfica. I think it's pretty clear Benfica win. I'm glad that a Belgium team is here. I think it's very, very cool. But Benfica, they got money now. Maybe not the players necessarily, but I think they should win. Are, are we talking over both legs or just uh, just first leg? I think both legs, yeah. Both legs. I, I'll say Benfica win uh, over both legs because while Bruges haven't lost in four home games, they also have or uh, they also haven't won any of those any of their last six. They have all been draws or losses. <laughs> uh, it is it has not been smooth sailing for them. Uh, I'm I think Benfica will win it, but it will be close. Mm -hmm. Awesome. Okay. Well, how about Liverpool versus Real Madrid? Slightly closer, but also maybe not as close as you would think uh, when this was drawn. Jack, Liverpool or Real Madrid? Real Madrid are going to win this. Uh, Liverpool's injuries are just piled high uh, in the in their in their medical room. You know, like I and plus Liverpool's form is just not great. They've won one game in their last five. 
three losses in their last five. Uh, meanwhile, Real Madrid are just coming off of a huge win over uh, Al Hilal in the Club World Cup, and uh, yeah, I, I think I think they've got it. Yeah, Liverpool are in disarray right now. Every facet of our game is just imploding, and not a single person is enough to stop the entire implosion just engulfing their season. I, th- I think their their path ends here. I think that's the same with AC Milan versus Tottenham Hotspur. I think Tottenham's going to win that. It's a monolithic, despondent, and free-falling AC Milan, uh, which, you know, going against a- Tottenham Hotspur, which in their own way are not reaching the heights that they envisioned that they would reach at the, the beginning of the season. But I think they have enough fire in their hearts to burn their way through this honestly fractured AC Milan side. Yeah, I've got to agree. It will be close, probably decided by one goal, it, yeah. uh, like two to one over the two legs. Uh, but I don't think Milan have enough to get it done right now. I think Giroud will score, though, at least one. Okay, all right, all right. Uh, how about Eintracht Frankfurt versus Napoli? Uh, Napoli. I, okay. I don't think Simple. I have to explain much more. After, uh, like, Napoli are how many points clear at the top of Serie A at this point? Like, yeah. 16 it's, points it's clear? Done, it's done and dusted, let's they, call it. This is the only aid. competition they have to worry about. Like, yeah. they could lose their next five games and still be in first, regardless <laughs> of any other results. That's crazy. Uh, and Napoli are just working well. Easy. <laughs> simple as, simple as. How about another Italian team, Inter Milan versus Porto? Who do you think is going to win this one? Uh, this is tough because both teams are on really good form. Porto haven't lost in 21 matches uh, and are unbeaten in 15 away games. Inter Milan are coming off of a few close wins over over some opponents, uh, including a th- including in the last five games a three zero win over City rivals AC Milan. I though I'm still going to go with Inter Milan, even though Porto's form is good because they are missing quite a few players with injuries, and I think that could hurt them uh, in in this. And I think Inter have the personnel to do it. I think so too. I was gonna try to go with, with Porto just for the the contrarian pick, but it's not like Inter playing like super hard op- opponents. Uh, before, uh, their first like they play Udinese, which is eighth place. Afterwards, they play Bologna, who's in eleventh. You know, so it's not like they're going against like a Napoli, who they need to put a lot of effort into. Um, uh, I guess Spezia, seventeenth place before the second leg. Juventus afterwards, which are, you know. I guess technically in ninth place, but you know, whatever. <laughs> I, I think Inter will win this. Uh, PSG versus Bayern might be the the primetime game here. Uh, who do you think is winning that one? Uh, I think this is really tough because PSG are coming out of good form with two straight losses. Uh, and then Bayern are coming into good form with three straight wins after a series of draws. Now, that being said, both of these teams are really injured right now. Like, uh, missing crucial, crucial players. Bayern, Hernandez, Neuer, Gravenberch, Mane, Masraoui. All out. PSG, Mbappe, Messi, Verratti, Mukiele, and Sanchez are all out. Mm-hmm. Uh, that, that doesn't bode well for either side, really, I think. Right. I think, you know, I think that Bayern are just barely going to win i think it's going to be very close between these two when when in each instance these two have played it's been very close but 
I think that Bayern are just reaching better form right now. Meanwhile, PSG are missing their two most, two of their mo- three most important players in Mbappe and Messi. And without the, those two creating some magic, I think that Bayern are going to win it. All right. I also agree. I also think that PSG are very up for it. Uh, against Marseille, they looked like a lost team. That was even before uh, some of the injuries happened. They were looking for an equalizer in the 90th minute and just did not have the energy for it. They also lost against Mon- uh, Monaco uh, yesterday. So they're, yeah, you're, they're not in good form. Bayern just added Kinsella to an already deep team. I'm going Bayern. Jack, Chelsea versus Dortmund. I think I already know who you're going to pick. I'm going to pick Chelsea, but I'm also a little concerned about this game. Chelsea's form is not great. Dortmund's is very good. I am going to believe, though. And that is, that is, I'm Ted Lassoing this one. That is literally the only thing this is based off of. It is based off of belief and belief alone. No tactical analysis. Just, just believe that that's all I got. All right. Well, then I'll, I'll, this will be my contrarian pick. I'm picking Dortmund. That's fair. <laughs> I feel like this is the closest match. Uh, all things considered, I, I feel like other teams have like some kind of edge over another team. But boy, Dortmund are Dortmund are looking hot, and Chelsea are looking not in some ways. So I'll, I'll go Dortmund. Jack, we weren't able to talk about the full drama that she believes cup. That could be uh, something that saves for next week, especially with like a lot of drama going on with the Canadians women's national team and the Canadian Federation. The Canadian Federation, uh, for those of you who, who don't know, uh, are not providing enough accommodation, are not fairly paying the women, are not really paying a lot of people, a lot of poor governance, a lot of cuts. Uh, programs, a lot of cut funding. So it's been very, very difficult to the point where the Canadian women's national team almost went on strike and did not, did, almost decided to not go to the She Believes Cup, which features, of course, the United States, Canada, Brazil, and Japan. Uh, we can talk more about the She Believes Cup and all the things going on with the C- Canada next week. But Jack, if you had to guess, who's going to win this? Uh, especially a, a very important she believes cup prior to the 2023 world cup later on this year Ooh, that's tough because i think these are all like these are four very very good teams mm-hmm. you know you've got the most recent world cup winners the most recent olympic winners uh plus you've got brazil and japan i think the lowest ranked team is japan at 11th in this so this is this is good warm-up for all of these teams for the women's world cup uh that being said, I think the U.S. can get it done in this case. All right. It'll be, it'll be incredibly close, I think, because I, I would back Canada. But with the, uh, you know, with all of the conflicts behind, you know, with the Canadian uh, FA not really providing enough support to these players, I feel like that's going to affect some of the performance if, you know, like, uh, you know, I, I. And then Japan and Brazil are both very good, but I think that the U.S. can scrape by and come out on top. Mm-hmm. I think, like like I said, like very, very close. I, I think, you know, probably a draw against Canada, I think a win over Japan, and a draw against Brazil could be enough to do it, honestly. Okay, we'll, okay. We'll see, but I think <laughs> that this is going to be 
a lot of close games. Fair enough. Fair enough. Especially because uh, the the first game is against Canada. So I think if you get a positive result there, it sets you up for success afterwards. Uh, I I also will back up uh, the U.S. women's national team here. Uh, the, the the roster I think is you know, fairly strong. Uh, there's the usual suspects like uh, Alex Morgan, Rapino, uh, Mallory Swanson, uh, Midge Purse, Trinity Rodman, the front line, Lindsay Horan, Rose Lavelle, uh, Christy Mewis, and Andy Sullivan uh, in the defense. Naomi Jerma, uh, uh, Crystal Dunn, you know, good players, good players. Uh, Sophia Smith and Tiana Davidson, who I'd like to see as, lo- as well as Sam Coffey, are out for a variety of different reasons. I think Sophia Smith is still getting over an injury. Uh, my main issues, I have two issues. It's an extremely offensively minded midfield, which isn't good for balance. I think if Andy Sullivan goes down, especially, it's not going to look very, very pretty. Uh, I also think it's it's a pretty old team, all things considered, which is kind of annoying given after after the low-key embarrassment at the Olympics, we were like, oh, we need to kind of retool things. We need to go younger. We need to get ready for like this new cycle. And that has happened. We've introduced players like, you know, Naomi and Trinity, but at the same time, the majority of these players are over the age of 27. So after this cycle they're going to be 31. There's a lot of like 30 to even like 33 plus players, which means that this is like their very last cycle. And this is not like a uh, an incredibly competitive game. It would be nice to kind of have some experimental players in here, some younger players. And by younger, I don't even mean like, like U19. I mean like, like 23, 24, some of that would be here for the next two cycles at least. But yeah, not the case. I think there's some good inclusions. I'm glad Naomi Gurma is is playing. Yeah. Uh, and I'm glad Trinity Rodman is on the roster. But I agree with that. You know, like I understand why why some of these players are here, but I think it is like, you know, maybe you'll get the short the short term benefit, but at the cost of the preparation lost for the Women's World Cup potentially, which yeah. is I think a little bit. A little bit disappointing but i i am at least glad that the u.s women's national team is playing against teams that are like really good in preparation for the world cup mm-hmm. like definitely better than uh their most recent group of friendlies where they played i think it was was it portugal i think uh, uh, was you, in the mix you might be thinking pretty far back i mean there's some pretty like there's like Uzbekistan and Colombia in there a while back. But uh, if you'll remember, uh, and New Zealand is like the most recent one. If you'll remember, like we ended off 2022 with three losses in four against England with that like one like a uh, one off friendly in Wembley, uh, 2-0 loss to Spain, 1-2 to two loss to Germany, and then a 2-1 to one win against Germany after that. So we're, I'm, I'm thinking of the She Believes Cup from last year where yes, we played yes, against yes. Iceland czech republic and new zealand like no offense to to those teams uh they see a single goal <laughs> yeah uh but the the highest ranked team of that opposition was iceland at 16 yeah compare that to the lowest ranked opposition in this she believes cup at 11 at japan being 11 yeah that's that that's good i think Infinitely we better. i want to see more of that yes good 
All right, that's the She Believes Cup. We'll talk a little bit more about Canada because this is not the end of the story for uh, the Canadian Soccer Federation. It's been going on for years now. Uh, and even recently with the Canadian men's national team, if you remember the drama going on with uh, them and almost you know them not playing their game. So just a mess over there to our neighbors to the north. So yes, but Jack, that is it for the final third episode. Uh, we have... Uh, a Super Bowl to watch. You have some wings to pick up, I believe. So, where can people find us on social media? Uh, they can find us on Twitter at Final Third Show. That's where we post all of the things, such as uh, you know, uh, some tweets about uh, about the Final Third Derby when it comes up again next season. Hopefully, without the VAR controversy, or we'll post about maybe when Minnesota United actually do something right. Yeah. They haven't done a ton of that this off season, but maybe eventually it'll happen. And, uh, you know, any other hot takes we have about soccer on there? Yes. Finalthirdshow.com for all things Final Third Show related. It'll be a fun time uh, there. Leave a rating as well. Uh, there'll be links in that website as well. So, yeah. Tell your friend about the show. I'm sure they'd love to hear about Manchester City's uncertain future. Uh, tell your dad about the show. I'm sure they'd love to hear about the Super League and European uh, soccer's uncertain future. We'll see you guys same time, same place next week uh, for uh, the next episode. See ya. Bye for now.